if there's somebody really good and they want to have a lifestyle change and COVID has taught us that you don't need to be attached to a desk and you don't need to be physically in an office, if we haven't learned that, we're seriously got something wrong look i'm not saying we've escaped it at the agency i think we've been able to keep them not because we're better than the other real estate business not that at all but we've just listened to our people you're listening to elevate the official podcast of elite agent for real estate industry sales professionals property managers and leaders with thanks to our partner connect now Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, Sam here. There is rarely a dull day in real estate. Every day there is interesting data, insights and stories to be told, as you guys will know from reading the brief. But often there's more to it than the headlines and the facts. And at Elite Agent, we want to go deeper into how the outside world impacts the world of real estate with people that have been in the industry for a significant amount of time. So today my guest is someone who's been on our podcast quite a few times and that's CEO of the agency, Matt LaHood. And Matt and I will be catching up regularly on the podcast to go deeper into some of the stories where there are real estate lessons, impacts and takeaways. And we'll also be going deeper into the real estate headlines, how they're playing out on the ground and in the trenches. So I'm pretty excited about this. Matt, welcome to the first episode of what we're calling Behind the News. Thanks, Sam. Always exciting to join you um, and share what we can to um help the viewers and listeners to, you know, impact their day-to-day life and see if we can uh, add some value as always, you know. Absolutely. As you and I well know, and we've talked about this a number of times, is that, you know, you get the headline stuff from people like CoreLogic, et cetera, and then um, how it plays out in the trenches is quite different, yeah? Yes. Yeah, well, sometimes, look, what's happening day-to-day is reported a bit later and that's just how life is isn't it you know like you you can see something happening then you read about it like maybe a month later so that's why I think leadership you know is one thing it's very important to stay at the coalface as a leader because you don't want to be hearing things a month or six weeks later because it takes a long time to turn things around um, if you're too far past the market and it's turning every week which is what's happening at the moment. As we all know, and and you've got your finger on the pulse of this um, quite a lot, is that around Australia, um, you know, the mainstream media might give a a headline like values have fallen off the cliff and and all that sort of thing to scare everyone. And then as you and I know, in different pockets, it it all plays out very differently. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so so micro Australia. Um, You've got parts that are flying at the moment. You've got parts that are not that are slowed right down, which you wouldn't expect it to, to slow down. Um, and you, things like investors out of the market, you think they'd be all diving in at the moment because the rents are so high and there's nothing to rent. But, um, you know, that that's a phenomenon that we've seen come along. We've seen the top end of the market very bullish because they're not really governed by interest rates. doesn't really matter if you're 10 plus million, you're not worried about half a percent or a quarter here or there. So that ends really trading bullish probably the strongest I've seen it in 30 years, Sam, at the moment, the top end. We've done a few 25, 30, 15, 17, that sort of dollars. That's serious money, right? Yeah. Um, and it's the um, 
easy, not not easy. That's that's a fair unfair word, but it it seems to be as easy to sell something at twenty five to thirty at the moment than it was to sell something, you know, for seven to you know one point five twelve months ago. Yeah, I mean there was such a strong start to the year all round, and everyone was tipping that prices would continue to rise. Like I was actually before we um, jumped on, I was looking at at our stats, and I was th- sort of thinking in January, everyone was still saying that values were going to go up, up, and up, and then. All of a sudden, the Reserve Bank tipped some water on that fire back in May. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us, you know, like what have you seen um, in some of the areas where the agency operates? I'll give you a real quick snapshot. So let's go state by state. Perth holding very well and strong still. Um, slightly coming off, but nowhere near. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne's come obviously right off, but then. In the last week, so we're talking, we're doing this 6th of October. In the last week to 7th, we had an interest rate rise yesterday, of course. However, um, because it was only a quarter of percent, I think what we're going to see now um, in Sydney and Melbourne, we, we saw the clearance rate just lift over 60% in both of those states. So Tasmania, um, it's come back a bit as well. Um, and South Australia is still very strong right now. Canberra... Um, about same as it was sort of like, let's say, you know, beginning of this year, but probably not as bullish as it was the 12 months before. So we've got a few phenomenons there. Queensland is definitely, in my view, probably the strongest market right now in Australia um, with Perth. I would say those two markets are outliers. I think there's a lot of people still moving north. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's too far out from the Olympics or whatever, but there's a definitely a view that, Queensland, and I say Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, all the way through, there's demand. Because I, I speak to my Queensland agents every week, and I had a chat to somebody um, in our Sunshine Coast um, operation, and they just said, look, most of their buyers are still coming from the south. So we've seen Brisbane and Perth both outliers. I think Perth, I can actually have analysed it, because you know how they came out of lockdown a bit longer than everyone else, they've still got that uplift of, of, of um, activity where the other markets have come off. Now, Sydney, Melbourne, obviously very strong auction markets. They did dr- dip dramatically and they've just started to come back. I think what we'll see now is, of course, the interest rates haven't gone up a full half a percent. That could signal a little bit of confidence that we could be nearing the end there probably will be some more so people might just decide hang on it's not as bad as we thought we'll start to come back in and and they're probably doing this for one reason is we're, we're six what are we uh six weeks out from christmas so they can't keep putting these rates up really i would have thought and i'm not an economist but i guess i know enough to be dangerous like all of us what you read um <laughs> is that if you keep putting interest rates right up the week before christmas i don't think retail is going to have a good time but I would think logically that would be how we'd all think, yeah? Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question, actually. What do you think will happen between now and Christmas? Because the last CoreLogic numbers have just come out as we record this, and um, it seems like, you know, although values had kind of been declining, they were, they, they still declined last month, but at a less declining rate, <laughs> if, that <Yeah>. makes, <laughs> if that makes any sense. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Sammy. The, that's probably what will It's It's definitely the heat's come out. I think there's still a lot, because I actually myself go out into the market. I've got a couple of clients that are selling at the moment, and I'm out there doing opens because I want to hear what the buyers are saying. So when I'm talking a la to yourself and anyone else in the 
marketplace that needs to hear from us um, and my team, I need to know what's actually happening. Not, And that's talking about leading leadership. And I do feel that leaders right now need to kick the covers off and get out and amongst the people because you can actually hear what's happening in real time. Um, and there are buyers that are saying, look, they're still, like I was at, a, at an auction two Saturdays ago where the buyer said, we're just worried about what's going to happen in October for the next rate rise. So that was two weeks out. So it's definitely front and centre of people's minds. So once that stops um, going up, which hopefully November we'll probably see the last one, this side of Christmas, we'll probably just see the market, people go, all right, well, they'll redo their uh, finances. They'll see how much they can borrow. Because the problem is everyone forgets, Sam, that when these rates go up, the buyer's borrowing capacity gets re-rated. That's something we've had to coach our vendors around because they think if someone's got a, a approval for I can borrow a million bucks, well, that was two months ago at, you know, 2% less or whatever. Now it's gone up, you know, 2% more in sort of three months, what have you. Um, they can't borrow as much. So they might be at eight fifty now. So they physically can't pay any more for a property. And that's where these gaps have started to appear. I think the thing is too, like we just recently, um, you know, decided to move out of a rental and 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 buy a place up here in Queensland. And you know, at the beginning of our property search, we were sort of thinking, well, the banks approved us for this much, so you know, like let's go, like you know, and we were looking at the top of that approval limit. And then all of a sudden, interest rates start going up and up and up. And you know, Mark and I are kind of looking at each other, going, actually, I think we better leave ourselves a bit of headroom in case these interest rates go up some more. Yeah. So, you know, is 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 that are we alone in thinking that way, or are you seeing other buyers sort of thinking that way too? Definitely, that's one way. The other way is though is a lot of buyers are saying, "Hang on, we might we should probably push to buy now rather than wait because they won't have the amount that they can borrow." So they're getting into something that they can get into now because if they do keep going up, they mightn't be able to buy what they want now in six months or three months' time. So, and yes, the values have come down, but they went up, what, 30% Sydney and Melbourne. They've only come back about 10 to 15. So they're still 15 up on two years ago, which I don't know if they're going to come down too much in much too much further because there's still not a lot of people that have charged out and put their properties on the market. Now, the other phenomenon we need to address, Sam, is that um, there's a lot of people have bought two years ago on very low interest rates fixed. Now, I had a look at the Commonwealth Bank report the other day. They peak December next year. So their fixed rates um, are all coming off fixed rates. The peak is December 2023. So people are either got to make a decision next 12 months. Can they afford the new rate that they'll be paying in December 23? These are the people who bought three years ago and three year fixed. Um, will they have to re- will they have to sell? Um, what so there's going to be some decisions made. So if they do have to sell, um, not hopefully not force sell, but have to sell in terms of because I can't just can't afford it, that could bring more property onto the market, which could um, have a, a further reduction of the values. Yeah. That would be my educated guess right now. Yeah, well, that's interesting because um, my numbers say, again, going back over some of our stories, that there's about $200 billion worth of fixed loans which will revert to variable about that time, which is quite a lot. Yeah. 
in that same Commonwealth Bank um, snapshot report I saw, what was interesting was because they're charting consumer spending, um, goods and services were up, but sorry, goods were up, beg your pardon, and services were down. So that shows to me people still buying things, furniture, et cetera, you know, goods, cars, et cetera, services, the trend was going down like quite dramatically. So that's movies, restaurants, discretionary spending, um, you know, cleaning. So what do we got? Services, all the services. So that's interesting. So that, that's a, that could be a trend to be looking at as well. It's all pretty interesting. And I guess, um, you know, so it's like, it's well, like a lot of the coaches all tell you and even I um, mean, core logic and stuff will sort of say regularly that people don't move houses, you know, for what, six, seven, eight, nine, sometimes more years, depending on the area that you're in. I mean, you know, look, I, I know we were trying to look at, at Runaway Bay, but you know, there's only one way that you can get into Runaway Bay, right? <laughs> you wait I love for someone, that area. <laughs> you know, like it's it's beautiful up there. You have to get a boat if you live in Runaway Bay, Sam. Is Mark aware of that? <laughs> Don't tell anyone. So, no. <laughs> um, very very tightly held up there. That I think I think that's what you agents call it, tightly held. That's it. That's it. <laughs> So obviously I think agents are probably going to need a really good strategy for staying in touch with people um, over the next 12 months. And you don't want to just ring and go, oh, hey, it's Sam here and just touching base with you. How are you going? Because, you know, like I, I interviewed someone um you know, a couple of years ago, and she said, I wish people would stop touching people's bases. <laughs> it's, just <Yeah>. not, <laughs> it's just not cool. I think the best way to, for people to do that is um, – and obviously social media is so so easily accessible to people now all your clients that you've got in social if you just every weekend you do a little video on like snapshot of your opens um just say hey uh, great turnout today hey not as many this weekend hey sold four out of six hey past one sold two out of six and just quick little grabs people have got time to look at that and it's not offensive and they can choose I think today the consumer wants to choose whether they look at you or not rather than be forced to look at you. That's yep. it. So if you're adding content, which is valuable, um, it could be, you know, the Sam, the Sam McLean market update um, on Saturday at four o'clock and you post that, I'm more likely to look at a 30-second grab of somebody doing an open home uh, view of the last four opens they did on Saturday if I'm thinking of selling rather than being called and say, hey, how are you going, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that, that would be my way of, and I'd coach my team to do that. As many, um, and even even a video of your open, like not not a full video, like a, just a quick a zoom around saying, wow, busy today, there's lots of buyers out. Or, um, you know, hey, not that many buyers today, um, keep you posted if the market improves or whatever it may be. It's just real because it's real. You're doing an open and you're not manufacturing. People love to see, you know, then you can do an auction, video your auction, and they can see it's spirited bidding or not spirited bidding. Or I see some agents are putting copies of their contracts um, on, um, obviously, blanking names out, which we would remember about confidentiality, but showing they sold the property on the first weekend and they put the contract on social media. I think things like that, people love to see that. That's transparent business. Well, I think too that um, with social media, you know, if you're consistent as well, like people, and you know, you've boosted it to the right place, which is your local community, yeah. um, people people will see it. And I guess that's a lot 
better than the agent who sort of goes back to the goes goes back home or to the pub on a Saturday and and doesn't do anything. I mean, five minutes could literally sort of change your life over the next couple of I years. I think it is life changing, Sam. Uh, if you do a report and and every and it's consistent, the biggest thing with these reports is consistency. There's no point doing one one week and then doing one another three weeks and. If they know that they're going to see your face and your report, and it's not necessarily you standing there like a statue or, or a mannequin, you know, going, hi, today we had, blah, blah. it's not about that. It's like zoom around, show the auctioneer, show a few people going in the opens, bang, done. And just a quick wrap up. People don't have time today to sit, lay, read, stand, and listen to a whole lot of fluff. Yeah. And I think the quicker the agents understand that, and less about you, more about the owners. And, and see, from the owners that you're selling for, that's a good thing too, that you're promoting their properties live, showing that there's interest and so forth and so on. Because hopefully if you're a smart agent, you've got your hot buyers following you on social as well. So they're seeing what's going on, you know? Absolutely. There's two other big things that have been in the news recently that I'd like to sort of have a bit of a jam with you about. One of them is about vac- vacancy rates and the rental crisis. Like that's been a big theme yes. um, over the last couple of months. We've never seen supply issues like this before. Um, what's happening with Maria at the team in PM at the agency? Are rental properties like the toilet paper of 2022 there? Yeah, absolutely. And Sam, the thing is, I've had, I've done a real close study. Maria's just expanding um, the team and things, and she's really uh, busy just keeping um, all the property managers and everybody um, just literally focused on on what they're doing because they, they've got full capacity at the moment with their properties. There's very few vacancies at the moment. What's actually caused it? I've, I've had a couple of people asking me that and I've, I've really dug into it. Luckily, one thing I've got an advantage, both of my kids are in leasing. So I'm hearing every night for dinner how to do it, what's happening. They're getting road rage at every open. They're getting more like 30s and 40s and 20s and people offering them more money than what's the properties on the market, at, a whole lot of things. However, what's actually caused it is this. We've got interest rates going up so the first home buyers are not buying right we've got investors who haven't been in the market right so there's the they're not buying investment properties right they're out of the market then you've got a lot of the tenants which i I, it's the first time i've seen this in 30 years my kids are coming back and saying oh dad we've got this tenant today and he's just sold the house for 10 million and he wants to rent for two years so where I haven't seen that, Sam, for a long time where a lot of our sellers are renting. So you've got them in the market, you've got first home buyers not buying, then you've got them renting as well. And then you've got investors not buying. So we don't have so we've got this this pressure cooker situation. Now that's before we've really got immigration and people coming back to our unis and everything. So we haven't had that really happen yet. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen then. So this is what's actually causing it. I've heard anecdotally of, um, you know, people selling their rental properties, particularly in Queensland, because we've sort of had all that nonsense with um, land tax and, yep. um, you know, and all across Australia, we've seen rental laws changing and things like that. Do you think investors are just going too hard? I'm out of here. I'm going to go and put my money somewhere else. Well, a lot of them have actually taken the rental properties off the market and their kids have moved in there. 
so there's another thing you, I don't know if the market has noticed that, but because um, you know we've had a couple of owners say, "Hey, listen, I'm taking it off the market, and the kid's going to move in, or what have you." And a lot of them that have sold their properties have moved into their rental properties whilst they're waiting, and they're, they're, they might have a view that the market's going to come back further before they actually um, look to um, buy a bit later on, or what have you so there there's a very noisy marketplace in the rental space at the moment and it's a whole lot of combinations of, of these types of things and the 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 other thing there's one more thing the developers have stopped developing right a lot of them which has stopped more housing coming available for investors and that stopped so yeah very in and i can't don't know how it, it's going to get any better at the moment um, there's not going to be more housing released. The interest rates aren't coming down. Um, so first-time buyers aren't going to get out of the rental market and go and buy. Yeah, interesting scenario. Yeah, very interesting scenario. And I guess, um, you know, like something has to give, I think, if not this year, but in 2023. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Because I, I sort of think too that there's – there's always been this narrative of the big bad landlord and the poor tenant and, you know, that often the the landlord is just, you know, just average people like you and me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Who are just having a go. So that, that phenomenon, Sam, too, of owners um, like selling a property for five, six, three, two million, doesn't matter what price, I was just, I, I was just interested that the upper end market is renting like they're looking for big homes to rent for two three thousand a week there's a shortage of two three thousand dollar a week properties to rent which that is unusual right yeah i've been seeing that for a long time and the tenant is people that have sold and when you sort of ask them oh we're just going to cool our jets and see what happens to the market the next couple of years so we're going to rent for two years rather than charging out to buy and they might have also be thinking they can't find anything either. Yeah. And they might want to be caught in the interest rate um, upward movement either, which I don't know, you know. So there's a combination, very interesting. It would almost be cheaper to jump on a cruise ship and live your life on, <laughs> <laughs> except that there's still COVID, yeah. I don't know if it's near Runaway Bay or the back of SeaWorld there, there's those houseboats. Have you seen them floating around? Yeah, I have there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> some of, some of them are some are bigger than some of the shoebox apartments I lived in when I was like in my twenties. Same, they might be uh, the new phenomenon. Uh, come and live on the river. I mean, I don't think there's any land tax or water rates or council rates or anything. Is there on the river? <laughs> yeah, you you just got to keep moving. Like you can't stay you in a certain <laughs> area for more than two days. So. You can you know feed yourself over the overboard. You can fish off the off the edge. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, the final one before we sort of get on to our like little leadership theme of the of the of the episode is um, this trend towards um, well, it started as the Great Resignation, so people were just going, "Life's too short. I don't want to be in this job anymore." Yeah, that's kind of morphed into something that people are referring to as quiet quitting, which means I'm not going to resign from my job, but I am going to sort of work to rule nine to five, take my power back, however you want to, um, yes. you know, however, however you want to, <laughs> however you want to phrase that. Um, but um, while this has been going on too, and I'll, I'll come back to the question in a second, but the agency's actually expanded. So like we've actually been sort of tracking your news as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've, you've expanded into Tasmania. Um and Canberra, yes, and 
Yeah. So talk to me about, you know, like um, what have you heard about this trend towards the great resignation and quiet quitting and so on and so on? Look, I've, I've exactly heard it. I've witnessed it in some instances. But Sam, look, we, you know, I personally take an approach and I know the agency does is I'm very um, happy for our people to be flexible. I mean, I've, I went through COVID like everyone else. Um, no one's immune to it. Um, you know, as a leader, it wasn't easy to be a leader during COVID, trust me. Wasn't sure whether it'd be operating in three months after it or not. Um, I probably learned some of my best lessons in COVID, um, how to be up against the wall and, and not sure, you know, whether you're going to be operating or who you can, who you could, uh, um, whether we could pay everyone or whether we have to put people up. Touch wood, thank God, we didn't have to um, lose anyone in that process. Um, we kept everyone and we grew from there. And we actually, as we all know, the real estate market probably helped a lot of us. However, um, I think leaders need to have a flexible attitude to work. Like I'll give you a quick example. Um, Maria and I sat down and we said, look, Maria, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't want to come in the office during property management because, you know, they're worried about picking up, you know, COVID, what have you. And then during that process, Sammy, a lot of people found they were more, um, productive because they can get up, go straight to work, uh, you know, and, and be in their environment where they're comfortable um, and flexible. And we, we sort of looked at each other and we said, look, you know, let's look at this and say, we've got some really good people. We don't want to lose them. If we force them to come back, we don't want them to not, what we want to do is make sure they're doing their very best job for the client. And the, that we, we as leaders and managers are not having to deal with any issues um, because they're not doing their job. And if we can be guaranteed of that, I mean, does it really matter if they sit on Mars and be a property manager? So we we pulled the whole team in together and we said, let's do a show of hands. Who wants to work from home and who wants to work from the office? Because we, we will adjust our retail space and our commercial space based on what you tell us. So don't be half about this. If you're not, if you want to work from home, happy to do it. But um, we'll be reducing your seat. So you won't, we won't have a seat, right? So half of the sort of room put their hands up and said, no, nah, no, nah, I got kids, got this, got that, have to have the social interaction coming to work, right? And the other half went, no, nah, we'd like some flexibility. We'd still like a desk, but we'd like to have two days a week. To, and some of the others said, I'll work from home for the rest of my career, right? So Maria and I looked at each other and we said, all right, let's, let's have, so touch wood, we, I don't think in hindsight, lost many people at all because we adjusted to the flexible there was I, I know a lot of people came out and i've seen social and others says no no you've got to be back in the office it's so get back to the office but um i think offices can be distracting for a lot of people too sam like water cooler conversations aren't that productive in real estate trust me um being an agent for 25 years um most of my agents that are really successful get in, they put their headphones on, they go to the calls and they don't wouldn't know who's around them, the really um, uber successful salespeople. Property managers, same, they got their headsets on and they're just pounding away tenants, owners. So really, I mean, the only thing is that it is, is during the lunch break or something is a bit of a chit-chat and a bit of talking banter. So there's that, which is a missing part. So how did we fix that problem? Everyone gets together. Um, once a month and has a breakfast and everything as a group. And then every week they do a training session on Zoom or live, depends, the live ones are in, but the rest are on Zoom. So then we just cater for everyone. So 
Look, I'm not saying we've escaped it at the agency, um, but I would rather if there's somebody really good and they want to have a lifestyle change and COVID has taught us that you don't need to be attached to a desk and you don't need to be physically in an office. That's one thing we've, if we haven't learned that, we seriously got something wrong. Um, And it's also taught some of us that we can be more productive. So, you know, will we, I'm not suggesting we won't cop the, you know, property management's been been a tough gig to find staff, but we've been, I think we've been able to keep them, not because we're better than the other real estate business, not that at all, but we've just listened to our people. And I think that's what you've got to do in any business and not be, you know, dictators and mandates and all this sort of stuff's finished in any business. People don't want to be dictated to, they need to be mentored and coached. That's different, but dictated and mandated too. There's, there's too much flexibility and opportunity um, around and you will lose people unless you listen to them. Yeah. So instead of like being sort of like a top down barking orders at people, it's like listening to people and sort of trying to fit in with, you know, like how they're going to perform best. Look, Sam, I've got this great thing I think that I've learned years ago now. Every time we do an acquisition or we bring new a new group into our business and they've already been doing it along, I just sit down with the sales team and say, hey, how do you want to run this sales meeting? Do you want to do it weekly, fortnightly? Do you want it for an hour? Do you want to do it for 45 minutes? Do you want to do it on Zoom? And then show of hands wins the game. And then there can be no excuse that somebody didn't turn up because I'm doing it my way. Um, yep. I'll give you the best version of a sales meeting and my sales leaders will do that for you. If you tell me what you want, do you want to go through stock? Do you not want to go through stock? Do you want to talk about what's working in the market? Do you want to do around the grounds? Just want to have coffee and toast and just talk um, rubbish for an hour. Is that what, cause that's sometimes the best form of sales management is yep. everybody throws their problems in the middle. I have a saying, you know, if everybody throws their problems in the middle, You'll pretty quickly take yours back when you hear everyone else's. Um, I like that's one of my favourites <laughs> because you know one says I got a problem, then you hear someone else's problem, you go, I'll take mine back. That wasn't that bad, you know, sort of thing. So, you win. <laughs> you know, yeah. Sometimes it's good to have a sales meeting where you just talk about what what's working and what's not, and you don't talk about listings or anything. And that's usually the best sales meetings, and people love those sort of environments, you know. Speaking of um, new people at the agency, I don't think he's actually new to the agency, but in a new role, slid into my inbox on the weekend. <laughs> um, you know, he just joined Lead Agent Pro and he said he was the head of sustainable homes. And so I'm talking about Sasha. Can you tell us a little bit about that and his role? Like, because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, Sasha's joined in Canberra um, and made an impact pretty quickly down there. So that's one of the markets that. Um, we're not involved in, but um, he's brought that to um, <clears throat> to the agency, specifically Canberra focused. So there's a, I mean, I, I think look, eventually that's going to be something we're going to probably that will roll out around the country. But um, he he's just come in 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 that um, environment where we've got a serious team in Canberra around project marketing. We're heavily focused there because one of the couple of people that reached out to us to bring the brand down there felt that their projects could benefit as a sustainable homes would benefit from outside inquiry coming to Canberra, um, especially when the investor market's so strong there with the government jobs. And being obviously, you know, I think 70 plus, maybe even more higher uh, uh, government jobs down there. 
Um, that's why the rental market's so strong and the purchasing market's so strong. And the sustainable homes, if you were going to test that sort of anywhere, Canberra's the place to to have that environment. So <clears throat> I'm not around the actual specifics of how it all works because Sasha's only a, a new new entrant into us, but I'll be definitely catching up and learning a lot more of it. But um, I think that's the future though, yeah? Yeah, oh, definitely. Like I've, I mean, I've sort of been tracking the trend for sustainable homes for years now within a lead agent and even outside of a lead agent. And, um, you know, yeah, I actually think we should get him on the podcast at some point just to just to talk about, you know, like what, what he's doing and, and the general trend towards that sort of thing because, you know, if Australia's going to get to net zero by 2050 or whatever it is, net zero carbon emissions, it's going to be guys like him, hopefully, that are leading the way. Well, it's good because, see, Canberra, if you're going to test something and get it through, um, that's the place to get the mandate of it done because then you can roll it out to the rest of the country once Canberra's signed off on on what's sustainable and what's not. doesn't get any better than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so finally, like I want to wrap it up with, um, you know, something else that's happening in the news that, that, you know, like I think has an impact on the real estate industry. And because we've got it, we're catching up a few times um, this year and next year to do this, I'll let you pick the topic next time. Yeah, but, that's um, <laughs> but, um, but, but for this time, I've sort of, I've picked the topic, which is quite current of the royal family. Now, I'm not yes. a royalist. I don't know whether you are or not, but... Um, there's some interesting lessons in leadership going on with the royal family right now, which um, yeah. I, I don't know if, if if I'm, you know, sort of um, dreaming or whatever, but I sort of feel like there's plenty of parallels in what's going on there in the real estate industry. So the royal family have recently lost their the equivalent of their Elon Musk, um, you know, a, a dynamic leader for a very long time. And, um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, like we've got issues coming up like, um, well, how to manage the initial crisis, um, you know, um, the succession planning, like, you know, I'm sure that the succession plan for King Charles has been in place for a very long time. Um, you know, how does a new leader win the hearts and minds of, um, well, the, the team that are around them, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk about this for a second because you've been in that same situation yourself. Yeah. Um, if, if you were King Charles right now taking on this new leadership role um, of a business, because the royal family is a business, let's face it, what sort of approach would you be taking? I think I'd look at it like this, Sam. Like if you're King Charles, you've, you've come into this at a, at a probably um, an age where he might have thought he might have been in that role a bit early the queen obviously was amazing in what she's done and she's very, like very hard to fill her shoes so the first thing i would not be doing is trying to be the queen right um because you're not going to be filling those shoes but um what he has on i think on his side is he's had the advantage of seeing his mum um from a leadership perspective so he should have some of the qualities there you would think that she's got but then He's also got this combination of people behind him, and I think it's Sir William, correct? He's next in line. Yeah. Um, so I think he needs to start promoting and and pushing William and you know and or Harry etc. up the scale a bit from a profile piece, because he, what he's got to be careful of. The Queen um, had a, a basically she was viewed as a safe pair of hands. They're all now panicking because she's not there and it's 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 Charles. Now, he's going to take a long way to try and replace 
that safe pair of hands and he'll just take it on. But I think from a leadership, I'd be making quick, quick profile plans behind me if I was him. And because I guess William and Harry in society's view of a modern, I guess, um, modern royal family would be viewed as the, there's more people that will respond, I guess, to, to William and Harry probably right now than to Charles. So that's how I'd be looking at it. So I, if I was Charles, I'd be saying, right, I've got the grey hair, I've got my mum's um, experience. However, the relevant, staying relevant, is bringing the younger crew through and starting to raise their profile now. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I was, was going to say, so the parallel in the real estate industry is I think some leaders still struggle with promoting the younger people in their Absolutely. team. Absolutely, yeah. But... Um, but what you're saying here is that really, you know, like it's the next generation who are going to appeal to the Gen Zs and things like yeah. that. And so, you know, it's almost like you need to incubate some influence like in the younger generations. Yeah, well, Sam, I'm 50. I've been doing this since I was 20 or 17, sorry, 33 years. since I was like, but as in, as in sales in, since I was 20, but in real estate. So I'm not relevant, as relevant for a lot of things in this industry than I was 20 years ago. But the people in my sales leadership team and in property management, and they're much more relevant than me. So what I'll do, I'll work out what I'm relevant for, and I'll and and, and get endorsed by my team, and I'll do the relevant things. And where I'm irrelevant, whether that might be, I'm not good at social media and that sort of stuff. So I have someone doing that for me, but um, and, and not advising people on that either. I'm not that greater so um i've got the people to do that and and where the sales um agents are more relevant with the younger sales leaders are more relevant with the younger sales agents they'll look after them and i'll 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 mirror people that are more my vintage that want to and that's how we i think the royal team should be looking at um doing that because they've got a big pool of people that they need to stay relevant then okay Charles and Camilla with respect to both of them are not really headline grabbers compared to, so if you want to keep the Royal business in the marketplace, what's going to grab the headlines? That's how you got yeah. to look at it. Yeah. Does that mean they've got to make friends with Harry and Megan and get them back yeah, in I, and, I and start? So. No time better than the present, is it? <laughs> That's it. There's, there's no why in team, right? <laughs> that's right. So if, whether that's relevant or not, I think they should be seen to be having a swing at it, which they've done that quickly. Um, but in terms of real estate leaders, I'd, I'd um, reach out like via this, and I know you've got a huge following um, on on um, in your business, Sam, around people listening to these podcasts. I'd strongly encourage if you're a leader and you've been doing it a long time, you need to have a look if you're relevant still. Because a lot of people, the leaders don't really get told, you know, oh, I'm not going to tell them, they don't want to know. that It's easy to become irrelevant too. And I see leaders within my own journeys where they just haven't, they're not doing open homes anymore and they're not talking to buyers, they're not talking to sellers. You can very quickly become irrelevant when you're not doing that. Because the market is that, the demand and the buyer behaviour and the, the seller behaviour is changing every month. They got yeah. did. So what, what worked 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, unless you can show your team that you're doing what they're doing, you're not relevant in my view. Yeah, so we've sort of come full circle from where we started, which is, um, you know, like 
your your big piece of advice to leaders is to get out the trenches, get out there on a Saturday, yeah. um, stand yeah. with your people, have a look at what's – have the conversations, look at what's really going on. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, like you could be a consultant for the royal family. I reckon that's pretty good advice for them too. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it's easy when you're not involved, isn't it? <laughs> I don't have to deal with Harry or William or, or Megan. <laughs> that's easy. We can just sit there and pontificate from outside. It's great. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just saying, Sam, I mean, I've, I've done this myself all the way. You, you can't lead and advise and coach and mentor a, if you haven't done it yourself, B, if you're not doing it, and C, if you're reading from some textbook. It's very hard to do it. Like you're not hand on heart. Um, you can't, it's so, I, I do see a lot of principals build a business and they go, oh, now I can sit back and let everybody else run it. I haven't been able to do that in 25 years of leadership roles. I've never been able to sit back and let everyone else run it. The minute I've sat back or not, not sat back, the minute I haven't sort of, um, being like I should be turning up there or going here as things have changed. Um, so um, the other thing is though, not micro, I don't micromanage our people. So they've got a job, they do it. If they get stuck, they call me, but I'm not there telling them how to do it as well. I think that's really dangerous as well as leaders, especially with the, the generation, um, next generation or two down from me who are my leaders. Um, they've come up with different expectations around um, leadership. So it's about giving them the tools, giving them the support and um, getting out of their way and let them fall a few times. I don't mind some of my leaders hitting the wall a few times because that way, you know, if, if I stop them hitting the wall, they'll never learn um, how to grow. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, well, Matt, I think we'll um, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been a fabulous chat, and you'll be back again in a few weeks' time with you know like a, a bit of an update on the market and stuff. Um, so I want to thank you for for um, coming on this journey with me because I think it's really fascinating to actually dig into the headlines and look at what's what's going on in the market. If there was one final piece of advice that you'd like to give people um, this week, what would it be? I think have a look at your life, everyone, and have a good look at what you're doing each day in, you know, if, if this is real estate we're talking about and see how you can add more value to people around you. I think that's a big thing. We're all, a lot of people, you know, self-interest, your back self, self-interest is the favourite in every horse race. Um, I think if you stop back and you say, I'm going to minute, I'm going to spend 50% of my week adding value to other people around me. I reckon your business that you're currently running, owning, or whatever it may be or in, even if you're a sales agent, add more value to people around me, I think your life will be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice as always. Matt LaHood, thank you so much. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Good on you. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.